In today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, we discuss a megastar from a mega, mega band who picked our unknown song and made it into a mega hit. We talk about the second most iconic backflip in an 80s music video. And we did as much research as we could because we wanted to make sure that for this episode, we were going to do it, 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 to do it. Right, child. This is our discussion on Got My Mind Set on You by George Harrison. When we were trying to decide on our next episode, you said it was my turn. Yeah. And I immediately went to my list that I kind of keep on my phone. The one that I never see? Yeah, the list you never see. But I guess you always could if you checked your emails. Or if I paid attention to anything, yeah. (laughs) That's true. Anyways, this song just jumped out at me. I'd heard it a few weeks ago, and it brought back a wave of incredible memories. And so as soon as I said it to you, you said, yes! I got my mind set on you. 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 What I really like about Got My Mind Set On You is it's by a 44-year-old George Harrison who really has no previous experience in the music biz before this song comes out. And that's why this will be a really easy episode to do because we don't really need to go through artist history. Because he has none. Yeah. He didn't do anything important before he came over to the States or anything. So let me just see if I got his name right here. uh, Yes. So this guy, George Harrison, released a song called Got My Mind Set On You, and it just so happened to go to number one. There we go. End of episode. Of course, we're joking for those who uh, are still listening to our episode george harrison was a really big deal he was in that band called the traveling wilburys yeah and that band started out of this single that's right or this album that he was recording and he was so well known to other singers that a friend of his wrote a song about his first wife called layla (laughs) so this george harrison really ran around circles that were pretty influential. Yeah. All right, we got stories. We'll, we'll go through this George Harrison guy's life in a moment here, but we both have stories we're bringing to this. You have a specific one. I actually have a specific one too. Okay. So my story is adjacent to this song because in 1988, I got the album Even Worse, the Weird Al Yankovic album. And on that album, he does a parody of Got My Mind Set On You called This Song Is Just Six Words Long because, well, I mean... The repetition that goes along with this song, obviously. So he's making fun of this song. And I was trying to explain it to my grandfather about how hilarious this song was. I'm 11 years old and here's my grandfather who isn't at the age that listened to the Beatles or George Harrison or anything like that. So he is like three generations removed from Weird Al Yankovic. And I'm trying to explain to him the hilarity of this song. And it's based off of another song. And he just looked at me like I was crazy. I like to think that that was about a 45-minute explanation that you gave your grandfather. It was slightly longer than the one that I just gave here. <laughs> that, this one was about 46 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I got to give Weird Al Yankovic credit for that song because he does capture the problem with the song, which is it's pretty thin in terms of content. Yeah. However, the Weird Al Yankovic version 
also demonstrates that if George Harrison is not doing the song, you kind of want to turn it off because Weird Al Yankovic version is as long as the George Harrison song. But even though he's making fun of it, it's so long. It's, I can't get through it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so long. And and it's so repetitious. It's so repetitious. And he's right about that. It's sort of a rare moment where Weird Al is actually criticizing music beyond just making something silly. Yeah, yeah. But as we know, Weird Al only does a song if he gets permission. Yes. And George Harrison famously has a great sense of humor. And so this song exists because George Harrison is cool with yeah, it. Yeah, because he let it happen. Oh, totally. And it is funny. And even worse, I think I'm right about this, is an ironic title because it's Weird Al's best. Yeah, I think, maybe. <laughs> I, think, I don't know. I haven't wor- worked through the entire Weird Al. Uh, <laughs> Catalog? Yeah. yeah. You know the time I went to this Weird Al concert and yeah. I went the wrong day and was one of those redneck comedians. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a three-hour drive to the concert. To drive back. Yeah. For three hours. Oh, it's a okay. tough one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should get back to this song. So back to Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. Anyways, he catches it. It's very funny. You told your grandfather who didn't get the joke. Now, when I was in grade five, so this is before the Weird Al Yankovic version came out. This is when the actual song yeah. came out. Our good friend Paul Turnbull did a lip sync of it in front of my grade five class. Oh, really? Because I had just done a lip sync of Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. That's right. And we've talked about that. Yeah. And then he did a lip sync to Got My Mind Set On You. And I intend on asking Paul, you know, what his prep was for doing the um, lip sync because it would be pretty tiring to pull this off because the song is very repetitive. Yeah, exactly. Both videos involve someone doing a backflip too. Yeah. Yeah, we got lots to talk about yeah. here. All right, why don't we start by talking about George Harrison then? So things I know about George Harrison, he was actually a movie producer. So Life of Brian and Time Bandits and With Nail and I. I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's a big movie for hipsters. Yeah. Which you and I are hipster adjacent. We're hipster adjacent. Well, you're wearing your toque. I am. I haven't uh, washed or combed my hair today. <laughs> so he he's done a lot of movies. Some kind of flopped. There's the Sean Penn Madonna movie that didn't go oh, well. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think that helped propel him back into songwriting. Yeah, because he actually had a part in that movie where he played uh, basically like a, a bar act. Yeah. And then here comes this album. Right. And he's had several number ones as a singles artist, right? He came out with this album called All Things Must Pass, a triple album. Yes. And he had a bunch of other songs. Famously sued for one of his number ones, My Sweet Lord, sounded like He's So Fine. Not so much like Dua Lipa sounds like another song type of deal. This is the second time you brought up Dua Lipa. I know. I'm kind of obsessed right now with this um, court case. Yeah. But he lost in court. They said that He's So Fine sounds too much like My Sweet Lord. To me, there are other songs that do this even worse. Yeah. But so he loses in court, but he wins by actually just buying the rights to the song. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, the publishing yeah, yeah. right. So he, anyway, anyways. Well, George Harrison has a couple of bucks to spare. So. Yeah. This was his last number one song. Yes. And uh, what else could we say about this? It was a cover, which was a surprise to us in some ways. I knew it was a cover, but I didn't realize it was super obscure. Yeah, so the story behind it was George Harrison came to the United States. So George Harrison's from a little country called England. And in a city called Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah. Right. So he flies to the States in 63, and he's visiting his sister who lives in Illinois. And just 
starts going and rooting through a bunch of records and, and stuff like that, just trying to find, you know, different music that they might not have over in the UK. And he comes across this album by James Ray, and it has the song, I Got My Mind Set On You. So he buys the album, and it was kind of a throwaway song. It didn't do anything for James Ray, but 25 years later, like after this whole experience in the United States where he's at this record store, he remembers this and he's like, you know what? I like that song and I want to do it my way on his album, uh, Cloud Nine. The reason George Harrison knew about James Ray is that in this other little band he was in, they covered a song by James Ray called If You Gotta Make a Fool of Somebody, which had gone to number 22 on the Billboard Hot yeah, 100. that's right, yeah. And George Harrison's band would play this at concerts all around, I guess, England. I guess at some point we should mention the name of this band. I don't know if you've heard of the Beatles, Frank. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. So... It sounds like something my parents probably would have listened to. Yeah, probably not your grandfather, but definitely... No. <laughs> I think my parents did too. So this band, the Beatles played this song but never released it never recorded it anyways and if you watch apparently this movie called the first u.s visit which is like a 16 millimeter just like pretty much a pretty raw camera pointing at the beatles as they're in america for the first time yeah according to george harrison if you watch it i tried to watch it on youtube I couldn't find the scene he was talking about, but where they're talking to a radio station while they're at the Plaza Hotel, yeah. and you could hear George Harrison requesting, I've Got My Mind Set on You by James Ray. Oh, really? That's what he said, but maybe it's in outtakes, because I didn't see it yeah. when I watched as much as I could handle. So apparently it was on his mind, and the John Lennon had James Ray on his jukebox too. Not this song, but... Okay. Um, the other one, the one. The that... other one. If you got to make a fool of somebody, was on that jukebox. Oh, okay. So that's a song that other people have covered as well. So people liked it, and clearly it did well. But James Ray faded into obscurity. Kind of faded, not really faded, but ended early. So yeah, he passed away at twenty-two. Yeah, uh, drug overdose. Drug overdose. Right? Yeah. So the story goes that he left Washington D.C. in nineteen fifty-nine to sort of try to make a career. Mm-hmm. and kind of fell on hard times pretty early and was homeless and like 61, apparently living on a rooftop, which to me is yeah. insane. So he's living on a rooftop and also possibly busking in the streets or singing for somebody else, but someone heard him singing a song written by, I think, Rudy Clark, I think, unless I got this no, wrong. Rudy Clark is but the he's guy the one who that wrote actually it. found him. Okay, so, okay. Rudy Clark was a mail carrier at the yeah. time. Okay, all right. So he heard James Ray. Yeah, while busking, uh, Rudy Clark was delivering mail, I guess, and heard Ray play. I don't know how the relationship necessarily worked, but he started writing songs for him. Yeah, so on the James Ray album that George Harrison bought, there's three songs written by Rudy Clark. And one of them was If You Gotta Make a Fool of Somebody, which is what George Harrison was looking for. But also I've Got My Mind Set on You, apparently parts one and two. So if you listen to it, there's like supposed to be two parts to it. Oh, okay. It, there's no break in between. Yeah. It. And I think it just gets more orchestral in part two. Yeah. But it is bigger. Yeah. Big band. Big band, right? Yeah. It's really full. It's really great. And George Harrison said the version he did was the one he heard in his head. So it's ah. kind of like he liked the song, but he could hear the better version in his view yeah. of the song. I've got to do. It's gonna take money. Oh, not 
in the end, James Ray dies, I think sometime in 62, of a drug overdose. But they don't find him for a while. And he has got to be identified by the head of the record company. I looked at oh, some geez, of that. It's pretty sad. tough. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm sure there's tons of these stories in the record business. Had me thinking about how awful it could be if you're not on the crest of these waves, but if you're yeah. underneath the water just trying to make it. Yeah. Anyways, James Ray is largely forgotten about, but not by George Harrison and not by one other person. Gary Wright. Do you know who Gary Wright is, Frank? I got something for you. Are you I, ready? I know the name. Okay. I need to give you a couple moments to see if you can catch this song. So Gary Wright, the Mr. Dreamweaver, which is an insanely good song, which I think we're going to have to do an episode on at some point. Oh, probably. Yes. He's sitting there. In 1987, January, with George Harrison and the rest of the sort of band that's yeah. built around this. And he hears the drummer, and the drummer is Jim Keltner, who's just playing a drum beat. And he plays a swing rock, according to Harrison. Yeah. And Gary Wright turns around and says, hey, that sounds like that James Ray song. Got my mind set on you. And George Harrison said, I didn't know anyone else knew this song. How did you know this? Yeah, that's right. I remember reading that. Yeah, yeah. so this is crazy. But Gary Wright, who doesn't play on this song, is sitting in the room. Yeah, and he brings it all together. <laughs> he brings it all together. So in the moment, George Harrison and his band just record this song right then and there. Really? Without any intention of even putting it on the album that became Cloud Nine. Okay. Oh, jeez. So, okay, now, just to go backwards a bit, because I'm purposely not talking about all the people playing there, because yeah. there's one super important person playing there who you actually brought up to me off mic here, and he is... Jeff Lynn. That's right. So Jeff Lynn is of ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, and Electric Light Orchestra... Also of the Traveling Wilburys. Also of the Traveling Wilburys. Jeff Lynn is, like, despised by a lot of the music literati. They hate his production. Like, hate it. Yeah. I... Don't I, hate it. I all. like it. I like it. Yeah. But he's responsible for the sound of the Wilburys and the sound of Tom Petty and the sound of later Roy Orbison and all these things. And so people call it dated. I just call it of its time. Yeah. And I call it great. If you're telling me that Tom Petty is dated, you're wrong. That's all I have to say about that. I love Tom Petty. I, I think his early stuff is fantastic. Yeah. I love the Traveling Wilburys. I love later Roy Orbison even. Like his comeback album. Like, yeah. that's great stuff. Frank, could you settle down a bit? You're getting too I'm angry. I'm getting really hot. <laughs> so Jeff Lynn is chosen to produce this album because George Harrison said, I wanted to find a producer who I could respect and who would also respect me because I've been around for so long that some flashy young 80s producer might dismiss everything I've ever done. Yeah. But he ended up picking somebody who didn't just like George Harrison. He adored George Harrison because ELO's harmonies are all taken from like late Beatles songs. Late Beatles, yeah, exactly. So when you right? listen to ELO, it's like this is a guy whose dream is to work with the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. So Jeff Lynn, I mean, he must have been going crazy in the late 80s to... Work, be working with all these people. Yeah, producing this album, then obviously working with the Traveling Wilburys, which, I mean, do we even have to go through who's in it? Oh my goodness. Like Jeff Lynn, uh, George Harrison, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, and Bob Dylan in right. a band together. And on As drums, 
Jim Keltner, who is the drummer on this song, Oh, too. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jim Keltner also wasn't given official status, but he was always playing there. So yeah. I think in the video that he, you can see him in the Wilburys video. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jeff Lynn is playing keyboards and guitar. No, keyboards and bass. Why would I think he's playing guitar? I think George Harrison's playing guitar. Yeah, George Harrison's <laughs> so playing guitar, yes. He, he's apparently pretty good at it. Yeah. Okay, so... He has a vague idea what's happening. He does. He's playing. You have Jim Keltner, who I've already talked about. Now, Jim Keltner has played for the Wilburys. We already talked about that. He's played for... Ready for this one? Buckingham Knicks solo album. Oh, serious? <laughs> he played on that one. I, I could pick about a million things. I have everyone listed. Like, he really did play on, like, everybody's... Yeah. He's one of the great session um, musicians, so everybody's albums. But there's one that surprised me the most. What's that? Jan Arden. Really? So I think I might have seen Jim Keltner play with Jan Arden at Brock University if he was in her touring band at the time. Because really? Because he really was interested in her stuff, apparently, because he played on that second and third album that she did. Like Living Under June? And, yes. Uh, uh, what was Happy. It? Happy, yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. So, I mean, he's all over the place and still playing on a lot of stuff. That's crazy. I think Phoebe Bridges' album? I think, oh, really? I, I, yeah, I just saw his oh, name cool. keep coming up. That's, yeah. Okay. There's a guy who's aptly named Jim Horn on the sack. <laughs> okay you want to hear what jim horn has played on you're gonna hear it anyways yeah. i'm gonna give you some songs i might sing parts of them this give is... me the songs and i'll tell you if jim horn has played on it or not <laughs> okay aquarius yes wait a second you every song i'm gonna give you he's played on yeah i know okay. i can't lose at this game yeah okay good vibrations yes ride like the wind yes poor side of town do you know who's saying poor side of town is the only number one hit and we recorded this episode a few months ago I have no idea. Johnny Rivers. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. You've lost that love and feeling. Who's on that? Yeah. Oh. He plays the alto sax. Cool. Excitable Boy. Do you know who's saying Excitable Boy? No. Warren Zevon. So it was on that Warren Zevon album with Werewolves of London. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I got, I fell into like a bit of a um, wormhole. No, is that a, the word? It was a rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. I like wormhole better because I end up in another dimension. Yeah. It's very uh, sciencey. Yeah. And then I just started scrolling and he was just on everything. Yeah, kind of like Jim Keltner. That's right. And then there's this guy named Ray Cooper on percussion, which doesn't seem like a big deal. Whenever I hear percussion, I think of the timpani player when I've gone to the um, orchestra. Yeah. And the timpani player stands there for two hours and then just hits it four or five times. Yeah. Timpani always, it sounds like such a delicate word. Yeah. But it's like the biggest drum. Yeah, yeah. Ray Cooper played for George Harrison all through the 70s. Also, he played a ton with Elton John through the 70s. He played with Kinks, Wings, and he was like the percussionist during all Live Aid. Oh, okay. So he's still alive and still doing this. So these are the people playing on this song. Every single one of them has crazy pedigree. And even the guy sitting beside them, Gary Wright, is Dreamweaver. And yeah. he weaved this song by just bringing it up. And George Harrison said, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And then they just played it, which yeah. is insane. That's bonkers. Okay. Oh, great. I know that took about 45 five minutes uh, like close me. to yeah it's like you explained to your grandfather why yeah. weird, <laughs> See, weird so al is this parody artist <laughs> okay all right so this song is recorded by them goes to number one which i don't think people were expecting no i like the song but in my mind it doesn't seem like a number one song and at the time it was like one of the greatest gaps between first and last number ones because there was i think i want to hold your hand and then this song for in terms of george harrison being in a band or oh, solo okay okay but at the same time 
He was the first to get a number one. Yeah, right? he was the first solo Beatle to have a number one with uh, Oh My Lord. Yep. And the last solo Beatle to have a number one with this song. Yeah. Turns out Free as a Bird couldn't topple Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. I know. I read that too, which, I mean, who could? I mean, that's a juggernaut. Like, no one's taking down Mariah Carey and Boys to Men together. This went to number one in both the US and Canada. Yeah. Didn't go to number one in the UK, though. Crazy. Yeah. Well, maybe because it's got the Americana feel. I think so, yeah. Even though Jeff Lynn is also British. Is he? Oh, shoot. <laughs> Unreal. Maybe the people of England were just, you know, a little tired of the Beatles at that point. They don't know what they're missing. Do you want to hear what was number one on the yeah, billboard? let's okay. hear it. The top five for the week of January 16th, 1988. Number one, Got My Mind Set on You, George Harrison. Number two, So Emotional, Whitney Houston. Number three, The Way You Make Me Feel, Michael Jackson. Four, I Need You Tonight, In Excess. And number five, Could Have Been. Also, just as a side note what could there. Have been? Oh, Could Have Been So Beautiful by Tiffany. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was number two or number three for the year on Billboard as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, for Canada Top 5, Frank, I know you want to hear this too. Got My Mind Set on You, George Harrison, number one. Oh, that was by George Harrison. Yeah, it was that okay. one. Okay. Number two, Father Figure, George Michael. Ooh. Number three, Pop Goes the World, Men Without Hats. Okay. Number four, I think we're alone now, Tiffany, this one. Ooh. And then... Two have, Tiffany's. Yeah. Heaven is a Place on Earth, Belinda Carlisle. Wow. It's top five. So That's great. A lot going those, on there. Those are two great top fives. Yeah. So beloved in both Canada and the US. Yeah. We are all over this. North America loved George Harrison in 88. Yeah. Well, should we do some song analysis? I think so. Okay. The opening, to me, just sets everything forward. I have written here, drum forward. Yeah. So the drums open it. Do you not think of my Sharona when you hear those drums? Oh. I didn't think of it, but now I do. Because the drum is sort of defining everything. Yeah. And this is why I feel Jim Keltner is kind of like your MVP in terms of outside George Harrison yeah. and Jeff Lynne, I guess. Jim Keltner. It's a similar role, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And it's going to just move the song. Yeah. I feel like the drum is pushing everything forward. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's go through these lyrics anyways. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. Got my mind set on you. No longer throws the eye in there. I got my mind set. Not a lot going on there, except the set on you has those perfect ELO-esque harmonies. Yeah. They just come right in there. So sets up nicely. In my head, I'm like, don't say sets up because he's got his mind set. set. Yeah. yeah. But he does. And then verse one is going to explain it. But it's going to take money, a whole lot of spending money. It's going to take plenty of money to do it right, child. It's going to take time, a whole lot of precious time. It's going to take patience and time mm, to do it, 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 to do it right, child. Well, lyrically, uh, they kind of focus on the same theme through the first... <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to pick it out. It's really subtle there. Yeah. But it sounds like he needs to spend money. Yeah, yeah. Take money, a lot of spending, and plenty of money to do it right. 
And then he throws in the word child. That throws me off a little bit because in my mind, this is a song about put a relationship back on the right track. Because you go through the song and it sounds like he's like wasn't really trying, but he's willing to try now. And I guess it could be any type of relationship, but I always thought of it as a romantic relationship he's trying to write. Right. So either this is like an absentee dad making it right. Yeah. Or... This is that classic 1950s and 60s thing where you refer to the girl you're dating. Oh, well, there, I just did it there. Yeah. You refer to the woman that you're dating as a little girl. Yeah. Or whatever. So um, it's going to take time, a whole lot of precious time. It's going to take patience and time mm-hmm. to do it, 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 to do it right, child. This isn't Ginsburg here or anything poetically necessarily. It gets the point across. It's a fun, poppy song. Totally. And it moves right to that chorus, I Got yeah. My Mind Set On You. Now, interestingly, this is a cover, but they arranged it themselves and changed things up. Because in the original version, the James Ray version, right after they do the first verse, he jumps into, Everywhere I go, you know, bad luck follows me. Every time I fall in love, you know I'm left in misery. <laughs> So it frames it so that verse two makes more sense because verse two starts with, and this time I know it's for real. Yeah. And that makes sense in the James Ray version because he says he's had bad luck the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. George Harrison thinks that's just getting in the way of the vibe. Which yeah. He's it, right about. It kind of takes a bit of a dark turn with the James Ray lyrics, right? And that might work better in like big band jazzy sounds. Yeah. But for what George Harrison wants to do. That drum's just moving you forward and has no time for that Yeah, no, no, no. It's just blowing right past it. So verse two, this time I know it's for real. Or he, I think George Harrison just says, I know it's real. The feeling that I feel. I know if I put my mind to it, I know that I really can do it. And this time I know it's All right, Frank, I got a question for you. What is real? Is this like a Matrix question or? Well, I'm not sure. He says, this time I know it's for real. This is why I think this is a song about making a relationship, like correcting a relationship, a wrong that's been done. The way I read this is that he wasn't really trying the first time. He was taking his uh, his best girl or whoever this song is about for granted, perhaps. But now, no, no, no. Now you've gone away. I'm coming back to you. And now I know it's real. Now I know what I've been missing. So now I know that I need to spend time. I need to put in effort. I need to put in money. Put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. Put your money where your heart is. Put your heart where your money is. So I always thought it was about... A guy who's liked lots and lots of different people. But this time, to quote the Jets, he knows it's for real. Oh, wait. Was that the Jets? This time I... Oh, no. I know it's for real. It's a different band. I'm going crazy just to let you know. When I... Then I might explode. Oh, baby. I think it's a Samantha Fox song. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to stop singing this song. No, you did such a good job. Well, thank you. I know you caught what I was trying to throw down there. He's saying this time 
he knows it's for real. And what does real, the feeling that he feels, this one's a real feeling. Oh, okay. But then he says, I know if I put my mind to it, I can do it, which is kind of funny that in order to win over this person, he just needs to make it happen. There is no actually reciprocation that's needed. You just yeah. got to buy lots of stuff and you'll win the person over. It's Tony Robbins' relationship. <laughs> it could be. Look at those bright white teeth of Tony yeah. Robinson. <laughs> and then we move into bridge here, which is kind of funny because I'm just on the genius where it says bridge. Yeah. And it's, I got my mind set on you, set on you. I got my mind set on you, set on you. I'm like, well, they really didn't change much up with the bridge. Sounds like no. a lot like a chorus to me. There's a bit of a musical yeah. bridge in there, right? Like That's an right. An interlude. That's right. And they're going to do another interlude a little later yeah. too. I got my mind set on you. And then this is what would make it very difficult to do a karaoke because it's so repetitive. Immediately goes back to verse one. Yeah. And then they go to chorus, verse two, and then verse one. There's not a whole lot you can do with a song that's only six words long. Exactly. That's right, Weird Al. I have written down here a verse palindrome. So I uh, wrote out in numbers what the verses were in the order, and it goes like this. One, two, one, two, one. So one, two, and then one. And then ends 2-1. So it begins with 1, ends with 1. Second verse is verse 2, which is also the second last verse. And in the middle, it's number 1 again. Number 1, okay. 1, 2, 1, 2, 1. Verse palindrome. So what does that mean, robot? It means if you play it backwards, it sounds the same. But it just sounds backwards. But it will still have the same verses, but just sung backwards. So it will sound like all the things they warned you about in your youth group in the late 80s. We should make that a category. We should play the song backwards and try and find hidden messages in all of the songs. That's right. That'll be our special youth pastors edition. Yeah. <laughs> so they can have that. Okay. You did mention, and we should go to it, that great musical interlude. Yes. Where the sax comes in there and yeah. Jack Horn gives it. It's incredible. Yeah. And of course, when we get to the video, we'll talk about what they do with that part. One of the things I picked up on that I like in that first musical interlude, that sax is hitting. It's just like, bam, 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 bam. Like, yeah. That almost sounds like a car alarm, I know. But in the sax world, it's punctuating at that point. Yeah. But then in the background, if you hear it, it's almost a wailing, whining guitar. Yeah. That's behind all that. And that's George Harrison there, obviously. Oh, man. But it just fits so well together. It's this crazy little, just that little piece. And it's only about, what, 10, 15 seconds of it? Super short. But it's so really, really neat, the the interplay between those instruments. Yeah. I couldn't say it better, Frank. But you're going to. No. Oh, okay. No, that's it. That's, All right. That's, that's excellent. The only other thing I have here to talk about, really, is the outro. Because I feel they really nail it for a song that Weird Al Yankovic isn't totally wrong. It feels about six words long. Yep. At the end... There's something going on there that makes it really interesting, where it's just set on you, set on you. They keep saying it, and then the sax is moving, the keys are moving in between. Yeah. And then George Harrison has this ending where he just keeps going with it. I got my mind set on you, where he said something like, so you hear that? Just a little bit extra stuff going there? Or no? 
I set my mind on you. Yeah. Right? Just little things. And there's a little uh, little bit of flutter with that saxophone, yeah. a little bit of more instrumentation. It was a little extra at the end, yeah. right? And he sounds like he's having fun. Yeah. And for a guy who seems to be incredibly reserved, yeah. when he sings, it doesn't seem like that to me. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, you can tell he was having fun in the video because he did a backflip. <laughs> yeah, no. It was clearly it's, George Harrison doing a backflip exactly. and dancing afterwards. Yeah, I have written here, good end. We all like George. And yeah. the thing is, I feel like when we hear it, everyone is on board because everyone likes George Harrison. Yeah. And so no matter what shortcomings people could say about the song in terms of it not having a lot to it. Yeah. You get to hear George Harrison sing and have fun. It does its job. It does its job. And yeah. that's what we want. So I read somewhere that he recorded the song because he wanted to have a song out there that his kids could enjoy. And famously, all the diehard George Harrison fans hate this song. Yeah, I've read things about this. I think they finally let it go. Yeah. But yeah, they, they didn't want to hear it. They were always going to talk about something from All Things Must Pass, which yeah. is good. But yeah, I don't know, three discs in, I got pretty tired about a lot, exactly. a lot of students. I love this. Through the 70s, George Harrison had this really big spiritual phase where he was touring with Ravi Shankar. He's just exploring all these different sort of spiritualities and, and everything. And that was his life. But I think with All Things Must Pass, that first album that he comes out with after the breakup of the Beatles and everything, there's kind of this expectation of George Harrison as this almost mythical sort of individual. Mind you, he didn't have much success for the better part of a decade up until this album. Yeah, came out. yeah. But then to come out with something like this, which is just a straightforward pop song. Yeah. It's like when you're you're waiting for your favorite band who's been on hiatus for a while to release something and you expect it to be like their old stuff, but it's something completely new. And you're, you say, I like it, but you're always disappointed. Yeah. And I feel people talked about Cloud Nine this way because Cloud Nine's really good. Yeah. I just listened to the whole album like, oh, I didn't realize it was this good. And I actually listened to his Brainwashed album, which was the next album yeah. that properly come out. I mean, he had a live album, but that was after he passed, as all things must. But it was surprisingly good. I thought it was going to be really dreary, but it wasn't. It was it was quite good. He's, yeah. He still is making great pop music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, there's two videos to this. I only knew the one video, which was version two. Yes. So I was surprised to see this thing called version one. So you watched both of them. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while we work our way through them, should we start with version one, which is the one that never really played in North America that I remember? Yeah. Basically, the premise of it is it's a guy and a girl on a date or something like that on like the boardwalk or something like that. And she's watching the video of George Harrison and the band playing on this like stereogram or whatever it is one of those old-timey like crank sort of things where it shows a video and he's trying to win her this ballerina during the whole time that she's watching the band play that's essentially it right like yeah nothing a whole lot to it yeah but you got the guy there is from buffy the vampire slayer oh right? that's right too Al yeah alexis denisov who plays wesley the watcher i never watched buffy 
but he's married to um, the woman who is in Buffy, but also in American Pie. And Oh, Alison Hannigan. Yeah. I got that right. Wesley the Watcher? Yeah, yeah. I do. I'm, I'm reading it right here. Oh, he's on Angel as well. All right. So anyways, he was there. He's the guy. Yeah. And they're both dressed like kind of 50s style, I feel like. Yeah. The white shirt and the lighter jeans. But you notice there's a guy behind the the woman who's like uh, watching George Harrison sing. Yeah. And he looks like a cross. Something between Blippy, if you, I don't think you've watched Blippy. I know who Blippy is. Okay. My, uh, my neighbors have a grandson. And okay. Have, yeah. So I think he's a cross between Blippy and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> okay. Which is hard to <laughs> describe, but when you see it, you'll know. Yeah, yeah. And everything looks kind of 60s-ish. So there are signs that this is from the 80s, but also there's the throwback thing. Yeah. Which fits the song because there's a throwback. Yeah, and, well, it was a song from 62, right? Right, so. and the 80s loved the 60s. Yes. Right, we talked about this in the past where the 90s loved the 70s and so on, and the 2000s loved the 80s. Yes. And so in this one, you have them looking in there. He's trying to get that ballerina thing out of the um, Like the, the claw, the claw thing. thing, yeah. And it drops, it ends up in her machine. Yeah. And so in the video, a ballerina just jumps down. Yeah. I think there's a moment where George Harrison looks kind of back at her yeah. and laughs or yeah. something. <laughs> he looks like he's having such a good time yeah. and he's smiling. He's looking at the camera and it really seems like he's having fun. I mean, Jeff Lynn is there playing as well. Yeah. I'm sure Kentner is playing the drums. You got everyone there. And I didn't want to like it because I'm so much a fan of the other one. But the more I watched it, the more it was fun. Yeah. I'm amazed they actually just decided to make a second video. I know, right? Yeah. And the second video was basically inspired by Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Which is bonkers that they came up with it. Yeah. But I sometimes wonder if George Harrison had the idea or it fits in with his sense of humor. Yeah. And of course, in Evil Dead 2, you have Ash cuts his hand off and yeah. his hand tries to kill him still. Yeah. And then you have everything in the house turning on him. Yeah, and everything's sort of animatronic and comes to life. And similar to the video here where George Harrison's just sitting in the chair playing guitar, but everything starts coming to life yeah. around him. Like the deer head on the wall. There's a squirrel who's playing a, a pipe, a pipe yeah. for her as a saxophone. It's very similar to the Sam Raimi aesthetic of Evil Dead 2. But it also reminds me of there's a scene in another Sam Raimi movie, which is what you called one of your favorite horror films is uh, Drag Me to Hell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a scene where a goat becomes possessed, uh, sentient and all that other sort of stuff. It's very similar to video here. That was a great scene in that movie. And in this one, none of the things are trying to kill him. Yeah. Right? They just want to sing along with him. Yeah, exactly. And during the video, there's this scene that reminds me a bit of Ghostbusters where there's like a file folder open. Yeah. And just spits out a bunch of cards. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in this split second, George Harrison just looks down at the ground and smiles, like kind of like gives a oh boy. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. Looks and then smiles and turns and keeps playing. But it's this perfect moment where I wondered how many times they had George Harrison do it. Because it would be tricky to do because you'd have to pick up all those cards, put them back in. And yeah. for this, because it's the 80s, people are now pulling levers to make all these things work. Yeah, and exactly. everything's moving. So you must have all these people there. And then George Harrison still having the presence of mind to just kind of smirk at the cards that almost hit him in the face yeah it's perfect yeah yeah. Yeah. but there's one scene of course in the video that wins it for maybe one of the great videos of all time in terms of being totally hilarious 
Yeah, and that's when he gets up on the chair and does a backflip. And then the spotlight comes down on him too, right? And then just that moment, the camera's pulled back enough for you to see that someone doesn't quite look like George Harrison. Yeah, someone in a George Harrison wig that's, you know, probably about 30 pounds heavier than him and two inches (laughs) taller. Yeah, (laughs) it made me think of two movies. One was Commando. I don't know if you remember in Commando, there's a scene where somehow Arnold Schwarzenegger just grabs this rope and does this like leap across a shopping mall and on top of a moving elevator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person looks absolutely nothing like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and then my other all-time favorite is the scene in I'm Gonna Get You, Sucka, where oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keenan Ivory Wayne's mom beats people up, but it's clearly just a guy with a mustache doing all these backflips. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> that's what it had me thinking of. But I just have written here, super fun. Yeah. It just oh, yeah, is yeah. so it's, fun. yeah. And the song is so fun. It fits the song, right? It's just poppy, fun, good times. Yeah. All right. Category time? Yeah. We just found out Michael Bolton is uh, recovering from brain surgery. Yeah. So I read an article. When I say read an article, I read the the title of the article. He canceled his upcoming concert so he can recover. He had a tumor removed from his brain. So he's in recovery. And we wish Michael Bolton all the best in his, uh, in his recovery. And we often have the category, could Michael Bolton? sing this. And I know that it sounds that we are possibly making fun of Michael Bolton. That's not the case. As someone growing up in the 80s, 12, 13, 14-year-old Frank loved Michael Bolton. I had CDs, tapes, everything from him. So we want to wish him a speedy recovery, but we also want to ask ourselves, could Michael Bolton sing this? Now I feel bad because I have written here, no. I just feel like this can only be pulled off by George Harrison. Yeah. That You need to have all this goodwill put towards you, which I feel Michael Bolton doesn't quite have that goodwill going for him. But he does. You've seen the Michael Bolton uh, Valentine's Day special, right? Yes, he does. However, he um, doesn't have the... Hutzpah? Well, the weight of massive success going on as well, where everyone's rooting for him. Except for Frank Pearson, who's now turning his... (laughs) Looks like you're about to turn off the recording to like pull up your uh, (laughs) This is the last episode of uh, Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Um... So, Frank... I guess you think he could sing this song, so I almost always say he can. I'm just saying a no on this one and giving him a pass, but you tell us what you think. Oh, I think he can sing it. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Worst category ever. Yes. We shouldn't have a category that just says a yes or no answer. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Oh, oh, you wanted an explanation. No, (laughs) that's fine. That's fine. All right. I think people have had enough of this category anyways. I have written here, could a hip hop singer sing this? Which I found kind of funny because I said yes, but it would get lost in that money part and forget about the object of his affection. (laughs) (laughs) So I have this vision of someone singing about money, but talking so much about money that whoever the other person was is gone. I'm going to spend the money. It's my money. It's my money. Yeah. Had me thinking a little bit about Marky Mark's Money song, which was taken from another band, little one called Pink Floyd. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Got lost there, but I did find it funny thinking that a hip hop artist could cover this and then lose the whole plot. Lose the plot of it. Yeah. Hallmark movie. Do you have a Hallmark movie? I didn't come up with one on this one. I did. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Rich guy comes back to small town and uses his funds to win back a girl, but has to realize that it's all about precious time, not money. Ah. There you go. There's my Hallmark movie. Where's the small town? Connecticut? Yes. Okay. Yes, in Connecticut. And then he uses his money to save the town. 
Oh, which was going to get bought by big business. That's right. The company he used to work for. Yes. There. Thank you. That's there it. Exactly it. He doesn't use all his money because we still want him rich at the end because yeah. no one wants to watch a movie about poor people. No. And all is that true? I've never seen Hallmark, but they I've all look the so rich. Of happiness. It's terrible. That's an awful movie. Isn't it? And it ends with him getting rich though, doesn't it? Yeah. But I, yeah. None of them are like us. Yeah. We're just sort of like Midly. floundering in our middle classedness. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I'm not doing so terrible, I suppose. Uh, what's your favorite part of the song, Frank? I know I mentioned the sax and that guitar in the musical interlude, that musical break there, but I do really like those opening drums. Yeah, I was going to say the same. I'm same with same as you. It sort of drives the whole song. It builds for something. There's an anticipation because you hear them come in and you're just like, okay, what's happening yeah, now? Here we go. Here we go. Exactly. What part of the song will you sing out loud to while you're driving the car? Like, I know you sing along to the whole song, but what part would you sing the loudest to? To do it, 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 right, child. Okay, and I would sing, it's gonna take time. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I would yeah, be yelling yeah. at. It's gonna take time, all our precious time. It's gonna take patience and time. All right, let's see. How would this best be used at a elementary school talent show? It would be best used actually as an announcement for a fundraiser because it's going to take time. It's going to take money. That's what you need. Time and money and maybe That's tenderness. Good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Michael Bolton, we're thinking of yeah. you. I was thinking that it would be a perfect like dance routine for like maybe junior first time dancers and then they could try and do the whole backflip thing to it. Oh, okay, yeah. It would go very badly. Yeah, and then there's a spinal. Yeah. <laughs> there may be an ambulance called at the end of the <laughs> of the thing. All right, we got mixtapes, don't we? Yes. Do you want to bring yours first? I feel like I've earned enough to go first on this one. Okay. So this was George Harrison's kind of comeback song. Mm -hmm. My mixtape are all songs that are comeback songs for oh, artists. Oh, boy. Okay, let's hear this. Okay. So we start with Garden Party by Rick Nelson. Yeah. Okay, good. What About Love by Heart. Great. I Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That by Meatloaf. Suspicious Minds by Elvis Presley. Oh, very good. Kokomo by The Beach Boys. Yes, that is also a song. <laughs> and we finish it off with Traveling Wilbury member Roy Orbison and his song, You Got It. Perfect choice. Perfect. I had pretty much the same theme. Oh, okay. However, you only took one of my songs. Oh, shoot. Which, is, which one? You Got It. Oh, okay. Which is fine. So that's It wasn't one, Kokomo? Two. Yeah, actually took Kokomo too, but I kind of, I said, I'm not going to say Kokomo because I don't like that song. <laughs> well, neither do I. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to stick with it, though. So I got four songs to add to that. Okay, cool. And there are songs from people who are popular in the 60s who continue to have hits in the 80s. Gotcha. My first one is going to be You Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon. Oh, nice. Yes. And then this is a song that wasn't a big hit, but it was the last top 40 song for Paul McCartney. And I love this song, My Brave Face, co-written with Elvis Costello. Okay. Have you heard it before? I don't think I have. Oh, so good. What's Love Got to Do With It? Tina Turner. That almost made it onto mine. Okay, I was wondering. I knew you were waiting for me, Aretha Franklin with George Michael. Good call. Yeah, so there it is. Yeah, those are the ones I liked. So those are my four. Well, we got a common theme running through. This will be a good mixtape. right? I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind 
So that's our discussion on an obscure artist named George Harrison, who was in a little band called The Beatles with his last big hit, Got My Mind Set On You. We want to thank you, dear listeners, for coming out and listening to our episode and listening to all of our episodes. And we know that it's an effort on your part sometimes. It's going to take time. It's going to take a whole lot of precious time. It's going to take patience and time to listen to Bill and Frank's guilt-free pleasures. 